You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, good morning. Mother's Day. Oh, my. Mother's Day is a dangerous day, you know that? It's a dangerous day. Years ago in the vineyard, it was on a Mother's Day evening service when Lonnie Frisbee shared his testimony and in so doing, released the Holy Spirit, invited him to come, and he came. And the whole church was changed in one event. Just amazing. So we say, Lord, in keeping with Mother's Day, especially in the church universal, but within the the tribe of the vineyard, we just say, come Holy Spirit, come. Your church belongs to the Lord. Receive it, heal it, renew it, and cause it to know its place in the earth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Shanti Feldhand is one of my heroes. She's a researcher and uh, just an amazing author. And she came up with an article that I, I saw this week and I just thought, wow. And it's, it has to do with Mother's Day. Mother's Day can be really complex depending on what your relationship is with your mother. And, continue, and depending on your relationship with kind of yourself. Uh, there's all sorts of complexities that surround Mother's Day. And so we want to be acknowledging that. That's why oftentimes when it comes to Mother's Day, I like to just celebrate God's image feminine. Because uh, all, all those who are created in his image feminine has the essence of motherhood in their heart. Whether it gets to be manifest with having natural children or adopting children or uh, a, not officially adopting children, but adopting children within the body of Christ. I remember when little Debbie was getting ready to be born. I mean, we as a church just adopted her. And uh, she was in our hearts, and we just loved her. And now she's blossoming, and, and Ken and Gloria's being wonderful parents to Debbie and stuff. And now we've got more babies that are coming and have come, and we thank the Lord for that, and we adopt them. And we get to have them in our hearts as well. And so we want to do that. So mothers, we love you, your nurturing ability. So this is what Shanti wrote this week. She says, at a recent high school event, several friends and I were comparing notes. I was struck by a very important undercurrent I heard, a beautiful pattern that I think often goes unnoticed, especially by us moms who can be so critical of ourselves. These women and I discussed how our children were small. Each of us looked forward to diving deep into the parent rabbit hole called sports parenting. We were eager to be those obnoxious moms who don jerseys, cheer loudly, and try not to give too much advice from the stands. And each of us has an older child who was indeed passionately athletic and with whom we did all those things. But that wasn't the end of the story. Each of us also has a younger child 
who felt the early weight of those same expectations, just, but just isn't as interested in sports. In another way, another mom describes a quick pivot being required. One mom described realizing how she could switch from enjoying lacrosse to enjoying robotics competition. Another described an adventure of specialized art lessons so her son could pursue his interest. Several others celebrated their kids' incredible musical gifts and enjoyed their delight at being on stage. One of these suburban women even proudly described her son's unexpected desire to get a college degree in how to care for farm animals. I listened to all these moms with a swelling heart. They didn't even realize what they were saying, that without fanfare, without cheers from spectators to their own life, they have truly been loving their kids for who they were, not who they perhaps expected them to be. Moms, we can be so attuned to what might be that what we might be doing wrong as a mom that we absolutely miss what we are doing right. The mom guilt struggle is real. But there is the reality that we don't give ourselves enough credit. Most moms see their child for who they are and try to love them well. Surely in early years, they may have dreamed of designing banners for gregarious extroverts who always seem to be elected class president, but in reality, they love and celebrate the sensitive bookworm son or daughter. Our kids may not recognize that we love them for who they are, but down deep they experience it nevertheless. It is surely one of the reasons why our research with thousands of teens, for parents only, uncovered the most heartwarming findings of all my research studies. Something I wanna leave with you on this Mother's Day. In one of our nationally representative surveys, hundreds of teenagers had been brutally honest. We don't have a whole lot of teenagers here but teenagers can be honest. <clears throat> when they answered questions, they were straining for freedom, sometimes angry about mom and dad's restrictions, wishing their parents would listen better, and on and on. But then at the very end of the survey, we gave them a blank space where they could say whatever they wanted. We asked them essentially, if you knew this was your last day with your parents, what would you like to say to them? To this day, I cannot read their comments without crying. After two dozen survey answers filled with candid frustrations, a switch flipped. These kids were brought up short to really think about not being with their mom and dad anymore. And when they poured out their hearts, they said, essentially, I love you so much. I'm sorry I've been such a brat. And when I'm a parent, I'm going to parent just like you. There were a few angry and lonely comments, but more than 95% of the kids would want you to know you're doing a great job as mom. Oh, yeah. So she leaves some of the comments. 
Mom, I love you with all my heart. Forgive me for all my misbehavior and bad attitudes. I just love you so much. Stepmother, I know you've, I know I've always had jealousy towards you ever since you came into our family. I really regret saying that you shouldn't have married my dad. I'm just really glad that God brought you into my life. Without you, my dad, my sisters, and I wouldn't have made it this far. I'm really sorry. If you could turn back, if I could turn back time, I would change my attitude toward you guys. I love you both. Another one says, even though I have not acted like it all the time, I just want to let you know that I love you. Thank you for pushing me to become the best person that I could be, even though I may have felt that you were being unfair. I realize now that it was worth it and that you did it because you love me. Another, even though I yelled a lot and sometimes said things I wish I could take back, I just want you to know that I love you. Forgive me for the wrong things I've done. Tell them I love them very much. How much I love my mom and how much I appreciate her even when I act like I don't. She tries really hard and I act like a brat, but she means the world to me. How much I love them and appreciate them, what they've done for me, at times I it may seem like I hate them, but I always love them, and they have always supported me. I wouldn't want them to feel like they had failed as parents. I love them so much. I'm so sorry for everything I've done in the past. I realize I've made mistakes and have acted stupidly, but I love you and respect your opinions. So I'd just like to invite all those created in God's image feminine, if you'd stand. We wanna pray for you today. So Father, we just ask now in Jesus' name that you would release a blessing to each one of your daughters. Father, for the, the guilt and condemnation, the comparison thing that happens within our culture, we just pray, Lord, that you would release a full revelation of how much you love them, how much you adore them, and how precious they are in your sight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release from your heart to their heart an understanding that they bring you pleasure, that there is the aspect, the dynamic of how they relate to you that you're very, very pleased and that you give your approval. And so we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would bless each one of these, our sisters, your daughters, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now we continue with the post-resurrection series here. We're in Eastertide, climaxes on June 5th, Pentecost Sunday. By the way, that is the day that we start the Alpha course. What a wonderful day to start Alpha on Pentecost Sunday. Mm -hmm. From John chapter 21, 
We looked at the first part earlier, now we're picking up at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. <clears throat> Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we ask that you come and that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive everything that you're speaking to us as your sons and daughters and to the church, for we ask it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. If you remember at the, the Last Supper, Peter had boasted how all the other disciples may leave, but I'll never leave. I will follow you all the way to death. I will, I'll, I'll be there for you. Matter of fact, as they were getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter's thinking, okay, we might need some weapons. So he gets a couple swords and Peter's, Peter's carrying a sword. He goes with Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane and falls asleep <laughs> every time. And Jesus says, could you not watch with me one hour? And the answer to that was no. They were so heavy, they didn't understand what was going on. I imagine the spiritual atmosphere around the disciples and around Jesus, especially in the garden, was so heavy as, as the whole demonic world was trying to come in and kill Jesus. And so here we have Peter. As they go to the trial, the illegal trial, mind you, <clears throat> Peter follows. Peter's following. Wow. I don't know about you, but that kind of takes some courage. After they arrest Jesus in the garden and Peter cuts off the high priest's servant's ear, which historically has been referred to as Malchus, Malchus loses his ear. So we get an idea that Peter's probably better at catching fish than sword fighting because it says he cut off the left ear and he was right-handed and it's like, oh, how did you miss the head that, that bad? You know, and you just caught the ear. 
But Jesus takes the, the cut off ear, picks it up, puts it on, and instantly the servant is healed. And then they continue with the arrest, the trial. And Peter's outside, brave, brave, brave. I, I, I give a lot of kudos to Peter. The courage to know that they just arrested the Lord and yet he is outside and he's trying to stay close in case he can rescue Jesus. <clears throat> Isn't that what we oftentimes think? I'm gonna rescue the Lord. Lord, just watch what I'm gonna do here. So he stays within, within a striking distance and in the process, we see that he denies the Lord three times. Mm. So he goes off and he weeps. Jesus gets crucified. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. Another week goes by. He makes his second appearance to the disciples. <clears throat> and we saw that and Thomas is restored. And now this is the third time that Jesus came to the disciples. Peter and the boys went out fishing. They fished all night. They didn't catch a thing. And, and now Jesus is on shore and he calls out to them, have you caught anything? And they say, no. And don't you just love it as fishermen when you get to say, fished all night, didn't catch a thing. Feel this big. Especially if you're a professional fisherman. You, you should at least have a minnow. You, you should have something, a bluegill. You should have something to show for a whole night's labor. But they didn't. And so Jesus tells them to cast the net on the right side. And they cast the net on the right side and they get a fish haul that is so heavy that the nets are straining. And so they call and they're very careful. They count the fish, 153 fish, large fish, whoppers. Okay, we got 153 whoppers. And so they're there. But when John says, because they didn't recognize that the guy that was on the shore that was crying out to them, have you had any fish, was Jesus. When John realized after the catch, he says, that's the Lord. So what's Peter do? Mind you, denied Jesus three times. This is now the third occasion that he sees Jesus. Jesus hasn't said one thing about his denial in public or in private. So Peter jumps in to the lake from the boat, is heading towards shore. And last week I was trying to give the scenario that I imagine about halfway he's thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> There's something in his heart that's drawing him to Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus, but he's, he, he, he hasn't been restored yet. The relationship has not been fully repaired. And he's, he's kind of caught in between. Does he go to the shore? Does he go back to the boat? Does he go to the shore? Does he go back to the boat? And the story picks up where we, we see that Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Peter goes to the nets and he starts helping bring the nets onto the shore. Jesus already got some fish roasting. He's got some bread made, ready to share. They sit down, they have breakfast. Sounds like a good day, doesn't it? having breakfast with Jesus, better than Tiffany's. And, and so there they are, having breakfast, and that's where we pick up today. It says, <clears throat> when they had finished eating, 
I imagine the anxiety in Peter's heart probably started to rise a little bit. Jesus talks to Peter. Simon, son of John, that's Peter. Do you truly love me more than these? Now, there's some difficulty of understanding what the these is referring to. It's like, do you love me more than the other disciples? Or do you love me more than fishing? All the fish that you just caught. <clears throat> I'll let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you. you. You go ahead and wrestle with that one. But the question is, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Okay? Difference between lambs and sheep? Any? Lambs are babies. The baby sheep. The little sheep. The toddler sheep. The ones who haven't fully developed. Feed them. Take care of them. We don't know how much time goes on, whether Jesus then talks to Thomas and says, how's your faith? You know, how you doing? Are you still believing? You know, we don't know what the conversation goes on there, but eventually it gets back to, to Peter and he says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, take care of my sheep. We want to feed the little ones, but we want to care for the whole flock of sheep. We want to make sure that they're cared for. Cared for in what way? <laughs> that they don't fall off a cliff, that they don't get attacked by a wolf, they're protected. Care for the sheep. Do what the sheep needs to have done so that they're healthy, so that they're safe. More time goes by, and once again, I mean, it's the exact same question. So it appears in English. The thing that we don't see by not reading the Greek text is the first two times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And the word is agape. Do you love me with a love that's unconditional? Agape was a, a word in the Greek that came to be associated to divine love. Love that God has for us. Love that's unconditional, love that is totally, unbelievably uh, directed. And both times, Peter responds with phileo. Do you agape? Well, I phileo. Phileo is kind of the, the brotherly love. It's the love of brothers. Oh, yeah, you're my brother, Jesus. I love you. You're my brother. So some expositors will make a huge thing about, do you agape? And he says, phileo. Do you agape? He says, phileo. The last time Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? He kind of drops from agape, he drops it down at night, and he, he starts using the language that Peter is responding and says, yes, I, I brotherly love you. And he says, do you brotherly love me? And it grieves, it grieves Peter. He's hurt. Peter's hurt, because this is the third time that the Lord has asked relatively the same question. 
But it could be that he's hurt because he didn't ask the exact same question in the sense of agape, but rather phileo, do you brotherly love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed not my lambs, but my sheep. Feed my sheep. So we're going to feed the lambs, we're going to take care of the sheep, and we end with feeding the sheep. <clears throat> Peter is being admonished here that he has a responsibility to feed the flock of God. Hmm. I think an, another thing, if, if you're not into the Greek dynamic, I think the next thing that's really important that doesn't matter in English, do you love me? You know that I love you. Do you love me? You know that I love you. Do you love me? You know that I love you. How many times did, Jesus, did, did Peter deny Jesus? Three. Three times. Before the rooster crowed. He was told three times. You will deny that you even know me before the rooster crows. And now we have three times where Jesus asks, do you love me? It's an opportunity, I think, for Peter to realize, okay, I'm exasperated with this question. I don't understand why the Lord's asking me three times whether I love him. I already told him once. I don't know about you, if you're a man, your wife asks you a question, you give an answer. Do you expect her to ask the same question two more times? <laughs> it's like, if, if a man is with another man, <laughs> and he's not with his wife, and he gets asked a question and he gives an answer, do you expect to get two more questions? No, my answer has been made. Have you not heard? Boom, we don't like to repeat ourselves. I don't know if Peter's masculinity was part of his frustration that, Lord, are you asking me again? But the Lord was doing something for Peter's soul and heart that may have bypassed his immediate consciousness. In his heart, the shame, the condemnation of denying Jesus three times is compensated with an opportunity to affirm three times, yes, Lord, I love you. I'll feed the lambs, I'll take care of the sheep, and I'll feed the sheep. Hmm. So something I think is very, very much in the spirit is happening that Peter may not even be aware of, but it's happening in his heart, and he's becoming restored. <clears throat> you know, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, you go to Adam and Eve, and in the cool of the evening, our, our invitation has always been the same from the Lord. What does he want from us? He would come by to visit in the cool of the evening, and he wants us to walk and talk with him. Walk and talk. And that's kind of implied when Jesus says, now follow me. So I, I, I say, Jesus is coming to restore Peter 
to come and to walk, to come and talk, and to follow Jesus, to follow him. So Jesus goes on and he, he gives an indication of the kind of death that Peter's going to experience that will bring glory to God. He says, <clears throat> I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Wow. You know, there's, there's something about as we get older, just in the natural realm, we don't get to do what we once used to get to do. We don't get to do what we did when we were younger. All of a sudden now we find things are taken away from us. Our, our driving privileges are no longer there. We, we can't just go as we please. We gotta make arrangements so that we can get where we need to go, doctor's appointments, those kind of things, and it's like, huh. But tradition and history has said that Peter, when he came to the end of his life, and he was arrested, and was going to be crucified for his relationship with Jesus, they say that he wanted to be crucified upside down. <coughs> because he did not consider himself to be worthy to be crucified in the manner in which his savior was crucified. Huh. So the Lord's given him a heads up. As you continue, you know, there's gonna be forces that are going to bear that you're not gonna have the liberty of just saying, I think I'll go fishing today. Hmm. He was arrested. He was crucified. Hmm. What do you do when Jesus starts talking to you about things that just kind of make it uncomfortable? Has he ever done that to you? Have you ever been quiet with the Lord and he, he's, he's talking to you and he's putting his finger on a few things and he's, he's wanting to do something to help you because he loves you? but we're not comfortable with it. It kind of, oh. <clears throat> so what's Peter do? He just gets this, this kind of prophetic word about his, his death, and, and he says, well, what about Marcus? Yeah, you know, he, he deflects, you know, what, what about John, the disciple whom Jesus loved? We all know that this is referring to John who, authored this gospel. So what about him? Whoa. You know, and it's kind of like, I see myself so much in Peter at times. It's just like, can you believe this? I mean, he's having this incredible time, this a moment where Jesus is lovingly drawing him back into the circle. You know, go tell the disciples and Peter, <laughs> as soon as he's resurrected, and now he's bringing him in and he's bringing restoration three times the threefold affirmation of his love has been pronounced and now the Lord talks to him about the future and he's not real pleased with it and he says, well, what about John? And this is what Jesus says. If I want him to remain alive until I return, 
What is that to you? Have you ever had that moment when, when the word of the Lord comes to you in such a way that it puts you right back where you belong? You know, it's like, I wanna know, you know, what you're gonna do, you know, with so-and-so. And the Lord says, that's none of your business. <laughs> that's none of your business. That's my business. That's not yours. You follow me. I don't know about you, but that, that does something for me. Realizing that we can have these incredible moments of restoration and encounter with the Lord and the enemy will bring something from the side and try to get us distracted so that we can talk about another person instead of the Lord's talking to me about me. Lord, I'd rather talk with you about Julia. Can we talk about Julia, Lord? Can, can we talk about her? her? He says, no, I, I wanna talk to you about you and your journey and the choices and the decisions that you're making and how you're walking with me. And so when I look at the passage today, I think it's a fresh invitation from the Holy Spirit that says, wherever you're at, if you feel like you've disqualified yourself from being close to the Lord, you're, you're, you might be included in the outer group, but you're not a part of the inner group. <clears throat> I think today the Lord is saying, I wanna restore the fullness of my love in your heart. And whatever the enemy's using to try to disqualify you from receiving my love, let's deal with it today. And let's not worry about your brother, your sister, or somebody else. Let's just worry about you. Will you continue to follow me? What's he mean by that? Will you come and walk with me and talk with me and follow where I lead? It's really hard. You've got to have a PhD to understand Christianity. The one who created you loves you and he wants you to come and be with him all the time. To walk and talk and follow. I don't think it gets any simpler than that. However, that's not always a simple thing to do, but it's a simple thing to understand. That's why we need the Holy Spirit we need the Holy Spirit because he's the one that enables us, gives us the grace so that we can walk in step with the Spirit. And so the Spirit can give us the language to talk with the Lord. What is it that you wanna talk about, Lord? It gives us the boldness to say, anything in my heart you wanna address, Lord? Feel free to address it because I know you address it because you love me, not because you're gonna condemn me, or you're gonna say, this proves why you won't be allowed in my kingdom. No, 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 no. He wants everyone. He wants everyone in his kingdom. Now let's deal with this so that the enemy can't bring confusion. So let's get restored today to the Lord. We use the, the time that we have Come to our, our moment of receiving grace through the sacrament of Holy Communion. The body of the Lord Jesus given to us. Mm. He came, he was born, 
He lived, he taught, he destroyed the works of the evil one, he healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, opened blind eyes, deaf ears, <laughs> healed every sickness and disease, and then died for our sins. Wow. Died for our sins that we could be released from the burden and the condemnation that the evil one would constantly remind us of that we deserve death. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. <laughs> and after 40 days of appearing, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, released the Holy Spirit to the earth, and lives to make intercession for us. And so Jesus, we say thank you. We take this that represents you, and we eat it with thanksgiving and in remembrance of you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Hmm. The blood of Jesus, so powerful, so wonderful, beyond our ability to articulate and to give expression to, but not to experience. And so I ask Holy Spirit today as we receive the bread and now we receive the cup, I pray that you would release something in us, an encounter with the risen Lord that would do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We thank you for shedding your blood and bringing forgiveness of sin. We take and drink in remembrance of you. As the worship team comes to lead us in our last song, I want you to just allow the truth of God's word that has been spoken to you today to just permeate your heart. Talk with the Lord. Ask him what he's pursuing in you. Is there anything that he wants to restore? Today's a good day of restoration. Lord, restore us to the fullness of who you've made it and created us to be. Amen? Dino Amen. Mike. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.